Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action Wisconsin. And we hope, we hope everybody's staying safe and warm. It is definitely a cold week. This is classic Wisconsin winter. And Robert Craig, who I know actually loves this weather, is getting out in it, I am sure. Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action, is with us. Robert, how are you doing? Now, in Wisconsin, this is colder than I like. I wouldn't mind this if it was less humid and less windy, but this is this is downright. Unpleasant. This is too much for you. OK. All right. Well, we found we have found Robert's limitations. Honestly, I didn't mind Alaska below zero when I was there in February because it was not humid and it wasn't super windy. So I thought that was I thought that was fine. But this stuff in Wisconsin. And, and look. I'm sort of lighthearted, but the truth is, and and we will transition to this in our first topic, um, it's very serious out there right now, right? Like not only for folks who are unhoused, which are everywhere in our communities, right? And that's very real for all of us. And just uh, the amount of power outages where folks experienced actually not having power. And we're going to talk more about that because this is all operating uh, with in the broader context of the huge political news this week at the PSC. But before we get into that, Robert, and I'm going to have you help sort of lead that conversation because this is an area you're deeply involved in. I want to remind our listeners, we are having a 40th anniversary event in Milwaukee on March 11th at 6 p.m. at Enlightened Brewery in Milwaukee. And we really want you to sign up and come. Again, Monday, March 11th, I can already, already announce already, already that we're going to have satellite events in La Crosse, Eau Claire, Wausau, and Green Bay. La Crosse is going to be on Wednesday, March 13th. We'll have more details on that down the road. Uh, but folks, please sign up. We'll have a link where you can RSVP uh, to the 40th anniversary event. Well, Robert is going to be talking about the history of citizen action. And we mentioned this on the last show. He's doing a lot of research on that. We won't get into those details now. Suffice it to say, we want you to come and hear the amazing things Robert has found doing historical research in the <laughs> archives of the Wisconsin Historic Society. So please come to that. And if you can't make that, please make one of our satellite events. Robert, I want to get back to our first story this week. The big news, the GOP, committee voted to toss get rid of psc commissioner tyler hubner hubner i'm not sure if i pronounced that hubner. right hubner who's been there for a while not confirmed and let me be clear and by the way this is after was it the chair robert could you tell me this is the second person who stepped well the, the other person stepped, stepped down they're stepping down and yes. now another member um, has uh, has has been fired by a Senate committee, and uh, uh, Evers immediately replaced the second one because the chair hasn't has re resigned, but it isn't effective yet. So the chair is still there, but will soon be gone. And so, folks, this is important for a couple of reasons. One, this is part of a broader pattern that the Republicans have engaged in throughout the entire Evers administration and just literally not appointing, stalling, not having votes. This one, it's like so many others. Dude's on there for four years doing great work, right? Showing that legit commissioner. And 
And then they just decide because he does something they don't like that they're going to vote him off. Let me be clear about this. There's a lot that's been print and you may have read about this. This happened because they are upset at, at the fact that he has been open to finding out, listening and figuring out how we deal with the terrible energy burden that tens of thousands of low-income folks throughout Wisconsin deal with, and that is that they're paying a huge chunk of proportion of their income on energy. Most of us pay, you know, less than a, a per, couple of percent, right? But there are a lot of folks, unfortunately, who are paying 5, 6, 10, sometimes 15, 20 percent of their income. It's it's and it's untenable, right? And he was open to finding a solution, a workable way to figure out how we can have a sliding scale, right? So that folks who don't have the ability to pay can still have energy or pay at a rate that is commensurate with what their income is. Robert, do I get something wrong here? This just seems like straight up political vendetta. It's classic gerrymandered legislative behavior. Robert. And uh, kudos to the governor on this because uh, uh, this podcast, I think more than any uh, outlet in the in in the state that I can think of um, is even handed. We say when we disagree with Governor Evers and when he's making uh, when we think he made a mistake, um, but we also praise him when he does do very good things. So he was very clear in his press release that this is part of a serial uh, power grab, an abuse of the Wisconsin Constitution, where they have confirmed almost none of his appointees so they have the power to fire them which was never been the confirmation process before it was always you didn't do it because you had a serious concern about the individual and so this is uh it, so it's outrageous behavior he was ready and immediately because they knew this has come up had a replacement now, i know nothing about her yet uh though we a number of us are trying to figure out other than she's on psc staff right now so she has some expertise obviously look she's clearly someone who has some experience she's been there for like 10 years that i see it at as at, at psc so like he at least has to have the goods that you can't say this person doesn't have a background or a temperament we the fact that we don't know who she is and she's been there 10 years tells me pick someone who makes it very hard for them to describe as someone who can't operate in the current structure, so, but they, she will receive the same treatment. Oh yeah. They, they, yeah. Like Megan Wolf is experienced. Uh, the Wisconsin election commissioner, uh, I mean, that commissioner, their chief head staff person. So uh, Tyler Hubner. So folks know, cause we knew him before he was a PSC commissioner, which is rare. That's a problem with the PSC, how arcane and insider it is in terms because it does something critical. One thing, among other things, utility regulation, um, that he was the head of the association for solar energy providers, uh, renew. And we don't totally agree with all those providers. They're not always pro labor, but they're pro-renewable energy conversion and meeting the climate crisis. And so he was scored by this committee. I think it was Senator Noss who was leading it, one of the, the, the darker lights, um, which, which is saying a lot uh, in the state Senate, um, that uh, he not only called out what you mentioned, Matt, energy burden, 
They're at, and by the way, in Milwaukee, the research, kudos Sierra Club is fantastic that it's racist that black people pay multiple percentages more of their income than white folks, that whites pay an average of 2% of their income, and many African-Americans 10, 15, even 20% when they're very low income. And by the way, I think it's it's having like the, a regressive tax where you pay more in cash, which is unthinkable. We have a utility monopoly by put in by government, okay, by the power of government. And you can't live without access to utilities, okay? This is not cable television or satellite service or uh, um, and so, I mean, this, think of that this week. That's an important thing to marinate yeah. in this week. How critically important if you have access to energy versus somebody who's unhoused or is without it this week right now, even if they're housed, folks, this is fundamental. Yeah, and it's a tax in many ways for a vital service that's privately provided because also required is 10% guaranteed profit for utility like we energies their ability to make massive money on financing things which and then they of course rig the system and take over the regulatory process but uh, in addition to energy burden and trying to actually think about having which other states have it's not crazy ohio and nevada at least have this capping the percentage of income you can pay for utilities it's three percent in nevada folks and so that, but they, of course, don't want that. So think about the utility role here, because he's also called out by this committee for wanting to move to renewable energy. So they 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 said the quiet part out loud that this is about answering the existential threat of climate crisis as well that they're opposed to Tyler Hubner for. So I want to point out that we're blaming the the lawless Republicans who deserve this. I think the utilities and some utility players are behind this, too, because Hubner, they don't like because he represents the solar industry yeah. and represents things such as allowing solar to be built that is not controlled by the utility monopolies, which they are doing everything they can to block. So this is even deeper. I think that the that the people behind the curtain, the Oz curtain, I predict whether we can ever prove it. Uh, and because we know how they how important they are in campaigns and how their lobbying operation and who their allies are, who the people who run them are, like Gail Clapper, the CEO of We Energies, that they're also behind this. And this is a coup by the utilities to prevent us from telling them they have to make energy affordable for our for our most low income people in this state. So let me be clear before we go to break. Um this problem is going to persist and it will not go away until we pummel the gerrymandered Republicans at the ballot box this November. The, this leverage, this problem will not go away. And it's important if we're going to get serious reform, but different kinds of folks on the PSC, and that's for another discussion. Uh, the, the whole functionality of the PSC probably needs to be discussed more broadly going forward. It makes it very hard to make a transition on climate and to do what we need to do. So that's why we led the show off talking about the PSC. That might be the first and last time, <laughs> it won't be the last, that we do that because it's, it's a fairly arcane piece of government but this is so fundamental what happened this week. And we didn't even talk about 
the commissioner who stepped down and how she was also a champion of, or at least supportive, right? Like open to the idea that we need to be moving in a climate direction. So folks, we lost two real important folks there uh, on a, on, in a structure and a system that already was stacked against us. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org and you should join us. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. Robert, I do want to talk about two things, and then I want to I, I want us to talk a little bit about Iowa and debrief Iowa and talk about the presidential. We don't do that a lot, but it is absolutely critical. It's a critical year. Before we do that, I want to remind our listeners, I'm going to give you a little update on medical marijuana. Uh, we talked about it last week. Remember that big, giant fanfare of a bill that... Uh, was going to be the worst in the nation, uh, according to Robin Voss and all experts. Uh, last week, I lampooned the thing, said it was a joke. It was all about gerrymandering. Most of the people who support it are in seats that they're desperately worried that they're going to be in play. And they know this is an issue that the party is so grossly out of step on. Well, it didn't take a week. Robert, the bill's dead. Voss and LeMahieu found a way to upset each other and say neither Sneech was going to consider that they might want to look at this worst in the nation medical marijuana bill as, uh, like you like to say, a stepping stone towards reality. Uh, so, Robert, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I uh, just wanted to at least let our listeners know, in case you were worried that, that Bill in the state was going to uh, get into the marijuana business, it's not happening. <laughs> uh, the other thing, before we get to Iowa, and uh, Robert has a lot to talk about Iowa and Trump, how we cover Iowa, how we cover politics, we do want to update also the gerrymandering. We've already mentioned it. But the Supreme Court last Friday was the deadline, got seven maps were submitted, uh, mostly from political parties, Democrats, Republicans. Um, but I want to point out also Law Forward, which is a more of a progressive uh, political law firm that's only been around a few years. Uh, they submitted they were the only ones who actually submitted maps that got us close to parity which we know is where the state is uh, partisan-wise. So shout out to them. Let's hope those maps <laughs> get deep and strong consideration. Uh, but the other big news this week, the Elias Law Group is also asking the Wisconsin State Supreme Court to reconsider the state's congressional maps also. so uh, And they're basically using the same justification that the court used for taking up the legislative as a reason that they need to do this and need to do this before the 2024 election. Uh, I will point out their main two areas where they want to see real redress is uh, District 1, that's Brian Stiles, um, and then also the third, the congressional district that the, well, Van Orden and is we just the hot battle right now. And the latest news in that is Tara Johnson stepped out, stepped out of the race over the weekend. Um Shout out to Tara. She is a member of Citizen Action, and we appreciate everyone who takes uh, the big step of running for office. Um, we know it was probably challenging to decide to step down, but that was a decision she made. So the, we will continue to talk more about the third CD, but it is one of the districts that this Elias group would like to see change. And by that, it become more democratic. Um, Robert, Iowa, 
Let's talk about Iowa. All I'm going to say about Iowa is very low turnout, not surprising with the weather and the state of Trump. I will summarize Iowa. The Republican Party, as we used to know it, certainly in Iowa, is dead, right? Like, it is the party of Trump. Trump got over 50%, barely showed up, barely did anything in the state. I mean, DeSantis, no one worked as hard. No one worked as hard there. And Haley worked hard at the end, uh, but neither of them could even muster any serious challenge. Robert, from the horse race, which I want you then, I know you have comments you want to make about how we cover this from the horse race. I, I don't know why we even spend time on the horse race. This race is functionally over. Trump is really going to solidify this over the next few months. It'll, it should be well on fumes by the time it hits Wisconsin. Robert, your thoughts on Iowa, and I know you got a lot of thoughts. Look, part of our problem this is another threat to democracy is, is that politics has become a spectator sport rather than a participatory sport. And the only way to take on the massive corporate power and the uh, now proto-fascist conspiracy of the right to, to end democracy is organize people working together and volunteering to change things, to actually that only organized people can defeat organized money, as we like to say. Now, so this whole media for over a year, intense coverage of the horse race, poll after poll, think about the money spent on all this polling. Um, and, and so, and then we finally this week. Frank Lunds is set up for the next four years, Robert, yeah. okay. Yeah, hallelujah, Matt. We actually started the actual nomination process. It hadn't started. You wouldn't, you would have thought this camp election campaign was going on forever. Um, until Monday, um, and you can you can pretty much uh, book it. Aside from an unexpected consequence, I would say a, a health emergency by Donald Trump or a change in his health status. In other words, to be nicer about it, and that is that he is going to be the nominee because he has taken over this party and he has taken over uh, a, a movement. That is uh, that calls itself a religion, but is no longer that he's that he's evangelical Christians. I put Christians in quotes, and you can hate on me for that. But uh, we'll talk later about some of the things. But it is it is replaced, is taken over and replaced a religion with a political cause. It's what um, theologians calls a culture religion. And it has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's why I put Christians in quotes, right, whatsoever, quite the opposite. And so we now know that, I mean, look, you can't figure out. It takes great intellectual power to figure out uh, Ron DeSantis's path or Nikki Haley's path, right, in all of this, when you have that rabid and powerful a base and when it has the ability to uh, to, uh, to, 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 you know, dominate. Uh, and we're going in after New Hampshire, maybe a blip. I'll just say that to a little punditry because it has the most independent voters and has the fewest evangelical voters of any state that matters in a primary by far. But then we go to South Carolina and we go to places that are even more evangelical than Republicans are in Iowa. Look, this, or I'll... I'll end any further horse race with I expect DeSantis to be out 
after South Carolina. And and Haley's not going to benefit greatly from that. She'll get a bump, right? They'll be anti-Trump and some of the DeSantis, but DeSantis has basically been mini me. So it, he's been trying to wait very for Trump. Well, he's been waiting for Trump. So to, very to unclear that much of his base goes to a Haley. Oh, I don't think it and does. Trump is being to open up on her with racist, sexist stuff. Of course. This I, I a... did want to say, Matt, that um, it, 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 in, in the heavy horse race reporting, it did come out between the margins that climate activists did a tremendous job taking over Republican events, which is really important given the importance of the climate crisis. And it, what, you can't find a whole article about it. And it's amazing that the articles that exist are about, you know, how the candidate handled it and what it says about them. So back to the horse race, right? Or what it says about DeSantis, because DeSantis was the one that violently responded to the climate protesters. I just want to end, I will, I will land this with something that would should matter to them on horse race. If young voters are going to be re-energized about Biden, one of the ways would be to think about climate and understand how bad the other party is and how much good Biden's tried to do on it. And of course, the media doesn't do that anymore. They, they, the, the main corporate media has given up any obligation. This is what their First Amendment free protection is supposed to be for, to educate the public on what's really actually at stake in these elections. Well, look, this is uh, where we come in and y'all come in. And our action, our activity, and what we do this year is going to matter a lot. And uh, I think everybody knows we're deeply committed to that work. Uh, as mu- and as much volunteerism as we can generate to be out talking to folks in our community. It's incredibly powerful work. It's critical. And this year it's going to be even more important than ever because, uh, oh, the avalanche of ads uh, will be dizzying. But with that, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by Kate Felton, who is, I think everybody knows, is a Eau Claire City Council member, a member of Citizen Action, and our former organizing director. But uh, we'll tell you why Kate's joining us right after this break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin where Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are welcoming Kate Felton. Kate, good to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Oh, great to have you. And we're the the topic is not great, but let me just say, and before before we set it up, before we ask you to speak, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on in, is that we see this issue that we're about to talk to, which is just straight up anti-immigrant, anti-refugee, racist activity as an effort by, continued effort by the right wing and the Republican Party to bully and harass, particularly Eau Claire and other progressive communities um, that are actually doing the work properly. And so we wanted to have you on just first of all, for our listeners, if you want to check out, cause you think this is about Eau Claire, cause this is about a much broader thing, right? This bullying, this taking over, taking away local control, 
sending, you know, just horrible behavior. So uh, folks, Kate, so with that being said, I would like you to tell our listeners a little bit, you know, give it a couple minutes to tell us what's been going on, right? What's, what's happening. And then why this bill that came out of the Republicans in the legislature to really go after Eau Claire around your refugee resettlement policy. Tell our listeners what's going on. And of course, thank you for being here. Yeah. So um, in the last six months or so, the uh, within the city of Eau Claire, um, we have been fortunate to um, be selected by a um, worldwide organization, a nonprofit, to um, consider opening an office here in Eau Claire to uh, work with refugees who are fleeing violence in their countries to come and give us the great honor to live in our communities and resettle um, here in Eau Claire. Um, that that was uh, certainly the action of this this private nonprofit and uh, the State Department, the Federal State Department, which they collaborate with um, to res resettle here in, in, in Eau Claire. And um, as folks can um, expect, there was some reaction to um, to this decision to uh, to bring this nonprofit here. Um, there have been protests over the last several months, um, anti-refugee protests, and particularly an outcry from conservatives that there's some nefarious illegal activity happening at the city. Um, uh, the city council is a, obviously a local government. Um, we don't have any purview over um, refugee resettlement. We don't have any say over who gets to live here and who doesn't, thankfully, uh, as we shouldn't. Um, but yet the, uh, the, there's a, a very loud, very radical conservative um, movement in Eau Claire that is um, accusing the city council of, of um, you know, working in, um, in closed doors or in the dark. Um, where, when in reality, we have never taken a vote on this, don't ever need to because this is a federal, uh, federal matter. Um, so as a result, this is, like I said, this has been going on for months. Um, as a result, a conservative uh, uh, state assembly member from just outside of Eau Claire has introduced a bill um, in the state uh, government to force local governments to take votes on, um, on refugee resettlement, um, forcing us to have some sort of purview over this federal issue. Um, in my opinion, for the explicit purpose that they can politicize and go after local, uh, liberal local government bodies. Um, I should say too that um, this issue uh, has has kind of permeated our entire community. The Eau Claire County Board has uh, voted on a, um, on a, a refugee uh, resolution, an anti-refugee re resolution. And the chamber, the local chamber of commerce actually came out against that resolution in um, in turn essentially supporting refugees. And so I just wanna say that this, this bill um, is, is really um, representative of the most radically conservative part of our community um, and, um, and really is uh, unacceptable. Robert? Yeah, this is, uh, I know you're focused on, as a local official, uh, Kate, uh, on specifically, you know, what the process should be in Eau Claire, but this fits into a broader uh, strategy of now a, uh, a, a, a Christian nationalist right, that is to dehumanize other people and rev up fear, hatred of them, etc., for political advantage. 
And not only is that unchristian, which is why Christian nationalism is an oxymoron, you can't, it's idolatrous to put this view, this certain kind of right-wing nationalism um, as to make that make that the, the standard goal rather than a, a, a religious goal. As you know, I think you're, I think if I recall, Kate, your, 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 your dad was a minister. So you know what, what I'm talking about with idolatry. Um, and, uh, and, and just, we, we just see the playbook over and over and over again. And I think we need more leadership. Like we've seen in Eau Claire, Kate, at the state and national level, where we're willing to take it on frontally rather than simply try to, oh, well, we'll build more safeguards. We'll respond to it as if it's a legitimate policy concern as opposed to what it really is. And you brought up a good point, Robert, about um, this kind of this Christian na uh, nationalist movement um, on this issue and lots of issues. And I just want to add that. Um, so World Relief, the nonprofit that um, has uh, has settled in Eau Claire and is working on um, supporting refugees, they're actually a Christian organization that was founded um, over 75 years ago um, to uh, to really uphold their Christian values to support people in need. And so I think it's really um, uh, ironic, I guess, that we have um, actually a, a, an extreme Christian legislator who has introduced this bill kind of working in against this Christian um, this Christian organization. And so um, I think your point is is really well made and exemplified here. Look, this uh, folks, if you if you look in and dive in, Kate's being actually extraordinarily polite. It is this has been the worst of the worst they they're appealing to to the to a bigoted base and knowing that they when they do that they they create a culture that hopefully is suppressive of people and it's horrendous um they are not even being subtle and 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 it's like a two-step the state rep tries to say she's like oh i'm just trying to set up a process nonsense there's already a process you are working in tandem with people that have billboards up that are racist, that are making accusations, they're whipping people up around othering and safety. It's appalling. They're trying to suggest somehow that these folks haven't been vetted. It's absurd. It's not true. And so it's the worst of the worst. And so Robert's right. We really appreciate that you all and you and we saw it in uh, the news media that came out. It wasn't just local. It wasn't just the city council. They talked about how the county board had stepped up and state representative Jody Emerson was right there to call out the straight up racist right wing crap that this was. And that's really important as opposed to Roberts of taking it seriously as if this state rep is serious about what she's trying to propose. So thank you for that. Um, What? What do you see as the next steps, Kate, in this? And like, um, yeah, just because there will be more, right? And and there's other fronts on this kind of efforts, but just uh, especially to other people in our communities, right, that are possibly experiencing similar things happening uh, to their local electeds when they're trying to do good. Yeah, so... On a state level, obviously, we need to fight this one particular bill. Uh, folks need to call into their legislators and into the governor's office to ask them to oppose this bill. Um, like you said, Matt, it's um, it's kind of um, 
masked as like an information gathering kind of uh, bill, but it's um, inherently racist. And so we need we need our legislators to know that uh, that we oppose it. Um, we need to this this really, like I said, this is representative of the most radically conservative part of our community. And, um, you know, there we see the same 100 people speaking out against refugee resettlement. And but I know after eight years of talking to my constituents that the vast majority of people in Eau Claire want to help people in need and um, and support refugee resettlement. And I suspect that to be the same in, in the state of Wisconsin. So ultimately, we need to make sure to be um, uh, electing people who represent our values, um, making sure that our maps rep represent our values. Um, and on a local level, um, as, as city leaders and um, constituents and citizens, we need to just continue to uh, show refugees kindness, make sure that they know they're welcome welcome um, in our churches, in our schools, in our coffee shops. And so I think ultimately that's the, the, the best thing that we can do. Totally agree, folks. Please, if you haven't, reach out to your, your state legislator and let them know. And they need to oppose this. Uh, but you said it, Kate. Uh, everybody has local elections coming up this spring in your communities. It's important that you, when you have city council, county board, school board races, that you ask about these kinds of questions, you know, because they will experience potentially, especially in our progressive communities, um, this kind of pressure from outsiders and Eau Claire. We were just going through this a year ago on the school board, right? The same stuff that they were doing pressuring your school board. So, Kate, thank you for for first for being a local elected and fighting for the values and helping actually create uh, in Eau Claire. You all have created a really progressive community that is um, really stands out in many ways is and is a beacon to a lot of our other communities of what we need to do to create a progressive Wisconsin. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for and, covering you. And before you go, you have 30 seconds, Kate. You used to be our organizing director and you just recently left and you're doing something that's near and dear to us. You are you are getting people out in the outdoors. Let folks know about what you're doing who follow and care deeply about Kate Beaton and live in the Eau Claire area. What's your new venture there? Yeah, so I opened a small business here in Eau Claire. To it's an outdoor outfitter to um, break down barriers that pe keep people inside. Um, so getting people out on the rivers and in our forests and experiencing the great benefits of being outside and being in community with each other too. So, and the URL is just eauclaireoutdoors.com. Please, folks, go check them out, Eau Claire Outdoors, and get outdoors. I saw you've already taken people out in this bitter cold, so you're doing an amazing work. Thank you, Kate Beaton. We really appreciate you. And thank you for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin for Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. It was great, Kate Felton, to join us and give us an update of real stuff that happens in our communities out there on the front lines, folks, fighting this issue, this refugee immigrant battle. It isn't just occurring, you know, at the borders, right? It's occurring in all of our communities. And so we wanted to make sure that we are educating our listeners about that and all of our roles locally and in, in staying engaged in this issue. Robert, we got another segment, got another segment. And I wanted to give you an opportunity there. There's more you wanted to say about Trump. 
We did not get through everything uh, in sort of debriefing Iowa uh, and looking forward and, and, and actually less about, quote, the horse race than connected to what we just talked about. This right wing is really fomenting a lot of hate. One, what they're doing in Eau Claire is just straight up appealing to bigots with the hope that they also catch a broader net, get more people thinking about the wrong things, going into, you know, not being fact-based. The worst and the even more terrifying aspect of this is just straight up, like, fomenting a violence. You hinted at it in terms of the way some of the climate protesters were literally physically assaulted in Iowa. Uh, but just, we know. We try to recruit candidates. We've been told, I don't want to run because I am terrified of the people that Trump and that MAGA and that whole culture has whipped up. Robert, I know you have more you wanted to say about this one. Give you that opportunity. We need to understand and process this because this is a challenge to the stability of democratic institutions. Um, Right-wing conservatism Always, has always had, if you look at its history, um, much more of an element of the use of violence within it. But if you get really extreme and closer to authoritarianism and fascism, it becomes more extreme, okay? And it could be expressed just as law and order or or, or use of war more often. That's a kind of that state-sanctioned violence, right? But then with these authoritarian and, fa- and uh, populist authoritarian and uh, uh, called fascist movements uh, in the in the parlance of the mid 20th century, um, it includes not only state violence, which Trump certainly has implied, but vigilante violence. And that is used to uh, first gain control of your own faction, conservatives, right? Where people who will challenge you are afraid to do so for fear Right. And we know this. Mitt Romney's book says that there are individual senators and House and, and House members who chose not to vote for impeachment or to certify the election because they were afraid physically for themselves and their families and some that have resigned because of this. And Mitt Romney himself has to employ massive security, which he's a rich man he can do, to defend himself. And we've seen uh, uh, the uh, uh, court staff and judges uh, have vi- have massively violent threats, and they keep having to increase uh, the security around the special counsel, uh, Jack Smith, because of the same thing. And so this is going on, and uh, and it's being talked about. I just want to, and, uh, and uh, not only the Mitt Romney book, which McKay Coppins wrote, but Jamal Bowie wrote an excellent New York Times column maybe a week ago, week or so ago. Uh, but we need to come to grips with this and challenge this. Otherwise, this actually is one of the one of the ways that that Trump has seized control of the Republican Party, stayed eligible for office, and this will then this will appear to metastasize. In addition, so there's both the obnoxious, immoral element, and he uses kind of mob language to signify when he wants people to take action. We all you all know what that is. So it's gross to threaten people with violence, not ethical. Okay. And, uh, and toxic to democracy. But then it is one of the tools that undermines and eliminates democracy, just straight out physical fear. And as it gets worse, 
actual assassination is the next step, uh, political assassinations, which absolutely happen in these in these uh, populist authoritarian movements as they move towards power. Look, I I think this is all very real. And I got to tell you, we we have the antidote. It's to keep talking to people, it's to not back down, not to be afraid, because the reality is most people, even still most Republican people and independents, are willing to talk to you if you show up at their door. And we need to lean into that. And because that's how you restitch and build community, build democracy. It's how we win also the elections, right? Which we have to do. We have to take that as a preeminent call for us to make sure that we knock the Republicans out of the state legislature, that we take back Congress and get back to fighting climate change as opposed to denying it. And a whole host of other things, a whole host of things we don't have time to get into, but the best way to fight this is to get involved, get involved in citizen action, support our field work. We are going to be back on the doors in spring elections very shortly, and we will be deeply involved in the elections this fall. You need to be out there supporting, doing that work. Help fund it if you can't go do that work. We'll put a link into our battleground fund. We've raised over a couple grand already from people and small donations for that. Please contribute to that. I want us to close by talking about health care. Um, I think most of our listeners know before the holidays, we had a big public push around the Badger Care public option bill, which is the only legislation that really starts to seriously expand access to health care. Uh, and it, it very serious piece of legislation that was introduced we have a lot of people signed on folks if you want to get involved in planning how we are going to get a public hearing for the badger care public option join us next wednesday january 24th at 7 p.m virtually we will have a link where you can sign up uh, to join us um, we're, we'll let you in on the latest as to what's going on on the status of the bill, who's signed on as co-sponsors, and what our plan is to make that happen and how we're going to make this the defining issue in the next election. So please uh, check that out. But with that, folks, we are, we're going to wrap up. We're going to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank Kate Felton for joining us, Eau Claire City Council member, uh, doing the good work, trying to make sure that we can get refugees safely resettled in our community and push back against the hate that has descended uh, upon Eau Claire and other communities. Thank you, Kate. Folks, we'll see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>